Okay, and we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter. I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up on the Smith River here in the great state of Jefferson on the border of California and Oregon. It's a gorgeous day in late August here in the summer of 2020. It's been quite a year and uh, we've been just having a blast up here at the farm, really expanding rapidly for you guys. Um, our signature crop, Jiao Gulan, has been doing very well. And uh, we're embarking on a whole new project with, as we're kicking off Zone 2 in the Permaculture Farm. And we'll have more information of that coming. We actually have a GoFundMe coming. Uh, we're going to be seeking some support to launch a new initiative to get, uh, like I said, the Zone 2 up, with, which will include a Earthship-type structure that will allow us to uh, take the... Um, take the whole entire company and operation to the next level and really bring you guys a lot of amazing content, allow Bear to have his lab for his spagyrics and everything else he wants to do. We'll be able to do our podcast out of there. So a lot of exciting stuff coming your way. So just keep an eye out for that. And also we have a, a new uh, a line of product coming out, our Lumen line. I know we've been talking about this for months. Um, but it's been a lot of work to get it, get it out and get it ready. And that is uh, soon to launch, hopefully within a week here. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll have more information on that coming soon. I think Bear and I are going to do a whole little talk on that and uh, launch that up uh, on our website. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, in terms of today, really excited. This is uh, going to be a really fun talk. We have Keoni Hanale on the show. Uh, he's here to share uh, Hawaiian medicine knowledge from his ancient Kahuna lineage. Uh, Keoni Hanale is an alchemist, Hawaiian cultural practitioner, and founder of Pohala Botanicals in Kula, Maui, in Hawaii. Keoni comes from a long line of medicine holders called Kahuna in Hawaii. His lineage hails from ancient times with pre-Polynesian roots from the continent of Mu. Uh, Keoni was entrusted with sacred knowledge from Hawaii and Mu, including fern medicine wisdom from his grandmother, who had a premonition that he would disclose the secrets of to the world at a designated future time, maybe now. Uh, traditional kahuna understood man's emotions as supreme in living a, a balanced, harmonious life, and Keone will share how the spores of endemic and indigenous Hawaiian ferns hold such codes which correlate to specific human emotions, traits, and virtues. The potency of fern medicine has been considered kapu, or forbidden, until recently when the kapu was lifted and all that was huna, or secret, could be disclosed. Keone has taken on his kuleana responsibility with great uh, ha-ahehu. <laughs> Sorry if I'm butchering that, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and considers this the purpose of his life and the resolution of his ancestors. This episode is near and dear to the AlphaCast crew, so we're really happy to have Keone on today. Um, Dr. Bear Lando, I'll let you take it from here, man, so I don't butcher any more Hawaiian. Jeez. <laughs> hey, my, uh, my Hawaiian is uh, uh, limited to Merry Christmas, Mele Kilikimaka, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of it, so I'm not that much ahead of you, even though I lived there for a long time. Hey, uh, aloha, Keoni, and uh, thanks aloha. so much for being here. Boy, there's, I'm really excited about this talk. There's so much I want to learn from you. You know, I was one of the uh, early surfer invaders to your island <laughs> long ago. Uh, you know, we're surfing 
uh, North Shore in Oahu, you know, back in the 60s and, and then uh, moved to Fiji. And then from Fiji, we decided to raise our kids in Maui. But that was old Maui, you know, and we had the old airport before the jet port and everything there. So it was really sweet times. We had a long run there. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. So I don't know where to get started, um, you know, maybe with, uh, I want to get a little bit into Mu and, and who the original uh, Hawaiians were and, and, and get your understanding of that. You know, we, you know, always talk about the, the Menahuni and, you know, and, and long traditions, uh, you know, that uh, seems to be very real because we had some experiences there that, uh, you know, uh, kind of proved that out. But um, uh, also, just let's start with your name, uh, Pohala, which is, uh, uh, I love that name, you know, um, really meaning ascend or, um, or just, um, you know, to return back to consciousness. I don't know if I'm terming it right. So uh, can you maybe go into the name of your company and, and maybe what that means to you? Yeah, thank you so much. Mahalo, mahalo both of you brothers. I'm so happy to to be here speaking with you. Thank you so much. Yes, you know, pohala. <clears throat> Hawaiian is a very poetic language. It's a very beautiful language. It's, it's one of those languages that's actually meant to be sung. And within, within singing it, the enunciations uh, can really determine what it means. And pohala has always been a Hawaiian word that resonates greatly with me. And it means, as you said, to recover consciousness, to awake from stupor, pull. Pull would be um, considered something that might be seen as invalid. And then hala, hala means to uh, emerge or to awaken. And I feel like right now, <clears throat> uh, there's an energy that's impacting this planet. It's impacting the consciousness. And it's an energy of disclosure. And of course, we, we know that disclosure can be very uncomfortable because this means the resurrection of our sacred memory. And it's not really compatible to the life that we've been living for a long time. Uh, that to which we have subscribed to for a long time. But the word itself, pohala, it's, it's so comforting uh, as a reminder that no one's immune. No one's immune to this field of disclosure. And for all of us to uh, accept and to go gracefully into the resurrection of our sacred memory. Wonderful. Yeah, and uh, you know, ascend means a lot of things to different people. And uh, you know, I was just delighted to kind of see that term uh, used to, you know, in your definition of pohala. So uh, how about, can we get into the origins of uh, Mu and, uh, and maybe uh, who uh, the original Hawaiians really were, because when I was there, I studied a bit into it, and and uh, you know the the more recent uh, Polynesian or Tahitian, you know, inhabitants were uh, actually predated by different people. So who were they? Right, great question. And you know, the Hawaiian people um, have really lived in this field of puna of secrecy, where we've kept things in our families. Um, a lot of the sacred knowledge and the sacred doctrines. So it hasn't been until recently that not just myself, but other ohana, now people are beginning to speak. And this is, this is just part of how we're adapting our culture in order for the culture to survive. It has to adapt. It has to become contemporary. And part of that is me and other people speaking on these virtual platforms and things that are, are quite modern. Um, so 
my lineage uh, spans 1,017 generations. And this encompasses wow. 20, this, yeah, this encompasses 20,000 years. And uh, you lived in Hawaii, you've been to Hawaii, Brother Mike. Um, a lot of how we uh, preserve our doctrines is orally through chant. And we preserve these chants, these doctrines, because we didn't have a written language and that was purposeful. It's because for us, written language, anything that was written could be perceived um, erroneously. It could be translated erroneously. So we stored everything in our mo or spinal cord. Now within our spinal cord, um, you know, that's what we would call the Akashic record. You know, this thing, the Akashic record oh, to the ancient Hawaiians, that's the Akashic record is the spinal cord. It's the DNA in the spinal cord suspended in the cerebral spinal fluid, which is the human essential oil. So within our Ibikuomo, we hold all our chants. Now, my family, we have preserved our Olimookuauhau, our family lineal chant in our spinal cord. Goes back 1,017 generations, 20,000 years. Here's the peculiar thing, <laughs> is that when we go all the way to the founder of this lineage by the name of Mahat, Mahat, Mahat tells us a story that Mahat was located here, in Hawaii, not Tahiti, not Rapanui, not Peru, but here, and more specifically in the um, what is known as Papahanaumokuakea, or the northwestern Hawaiian Islands, which are now underwater. So we're talking pre-flood, yep. and and you know the modern history books say that Hawaii wasn't inhabited until maybe a thousand years ago, perhaps even two thousand years ago. But if you talk to native Hawaiians who are akamai or ma'a aware of their olimo'okuauhau, their lineal chant, it will place us here 20,000 years ago. Yeah, I mean, and there's uh, ancient petroglyphs, right, on the Hawaiian islands that, um, you know, modern anthropologists don't understand. And um, I've been I've been kind of really fascinated with this ancient history of Mu, and some confuse it with Lemuria. And oh God, what's his name? I read twenty years ago. James Churchward was a famous twentieth century um, writer and explorer who came up with a lot of the, what we consider to be more common ideas of what Mu, the, they call the lost continent of Mu, which spanned across Pacific Ocean that included all the Polynesian islands, Hawaii included. And um, it relates to a lot of ancient texts like the Emerald Tablets and the Book of Enoch. I mean, there's so much that really ties in all this ancient history that modern um, anthropologists, archaeologists, they just say it's all pseudoscience. But there seems to be an overlying narrative that's connecting all of this. And so just curious to know from kind of your insights from what you're discussing here with um, this really valuable knowledge that your ancestors have maintained, what is the tradition there? Um, you're saying it's coming from the Hawaiian Islands, but does it connect a bit to, are you familiar with what I'm discussing in terms of, you know, the, the narrative is that there is a people that came, they were the original humans really. And uh, then they spread out across the world and they came from this lost continent of Mu or it could have been an archipelago of islands as well is kind of the idea. And it, and it spanned across a lot of the Pacific Ocean. And then with the Great Flood, which we know is in, in many traditions, um, it was covered. So that makes a lot of sense, too, that now 
you know, that part of the island is underwater. And we've seen actually from satellite imagery, we can see um, under the ocean this, this continent in many ways. So just looking for any more insights you have in all this, because this is just some of the most fascinating stuff. It's really important to know where we come from. Yeah, and, and definitely we have ties to many places, not just around the Pacific, but all, all the way to Madagascar. And in that area of the Indian Ocean, Sri Lanka, Madagascar, the Maldives, mm -hmm. um, it was known as Kumar. Mm -hmm. And that was an ancient uh, subregion of Mu, was Kumar. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting because we'll have similar um, plant species in Madagascar, all the way in Hawaii. How do you explain that? <laughs> yeah. How do you explain that? And, and um, you know, many people are familiar with what is called the, the Polynesian Triangle, which encompasses Hawaii, uh, Tahiti, or um, Hawaii, uh, uh, New Zealand, and then Rapa Nui. But we also have a northern triangle. It's Hawaii, it's Haida Gwaii, and it's Hokkaido. Now, hmm. Haida Gwaii in Canada, the language, we have similar uh, uh, language. We have similar rituals. In, high, uh, in Hokkaido, there's the Ainu people. There's an ancient, ancient uh, people called the Ainu in Hokkaido, Japan. If you look at pictures of the Ainu and then you look at pictures of people in Hawaii and Haida Gwaii, it's we're like cousins. We look almost exactly alike. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we, we look at these megalithic structures too. Uh, that um, are still, there's remnants of them on a lot of these islands, these step pyramids and such. And it, it seems like, you know, and, and there's, the theory is that this was actually, these were the um, originators that ended up going, the original people that ended up going to Egypt. And, um, you know, there was a technology, there seems like there was some different types of technologies that we don't understand that, um, what I'm trying to get to is that these people weren't just, um, you know, very, you know, the modern science likes to say that a lot of these ancient cultures were, you know, very um, relegated to traditional ideas of, you know, indigenous folks now that were just living in very simple ways, which is great, but not didn't have this advanced technology that seems to make sense that there was some sort of consciousness technology back then that was allowing them to do these things. And just curious if you have any insights into that and then also related to the idea of the Anunnaki or if there was any other kind of external um, factions at play with the Mu culture back then. Is there any legend of that within your, the context of your people? Well, you know, like what you're saying is accurate because the way it was taught to me was that the, the Mu uh, were the first civilization. Now, Something about the Mu that differs from us today greatly <laughs> is the reason why they were so advanced and, and beautifully said the consciousness was advanced because there wasn't a need for exterior um, um, embellishments. Okay, The consciousness um, was so advanced that the embellishments were not needed. Um, the way it was taught to me was that the first civilizations um, they were so steeped and so ma'a because unlike us, they participated with gravity. They were not governed by it. And however you can ingest that and feel that, but it's very significant. <laughs> they participated with gravity. 
they did they were not governed by it today we're very governed by it. it's dense everything is very the pressure the pressure and therefore we're very confined in our perceptions of reality and our perceptions of consciousness our ability for intimacy with one another is incredibly compromised because of this pressure this density however they were not in that field of density so they could access and resource different kind of dimensions but yet make it relatable here it was more choice yes yeah there are levels of science that we get into on our podcast quite a bit and it really explains thoroughly the, the true nature of gravity and how your consciousness can interact with that in a whole different way and have a much different experience and not be in that pressurized compressed data that we we talk about so it makes perfect sense to me you know back in the uh oh, mid 90s or so because of certain uh legal groups i was involved with we were you know behind the scenes ferreting out you know how things really work in this system that seems to kind of keep us in a box but uh, because of our um training we were brought into certain factions with the hawaiian sovereignty movement and uh, so I had a lot of great interactions, uh, particularly with, uh, you know, people, uh, uh, Native people in Oahu. So a friend of mine who's from a, a very old lineage, uh, you know, much like yourself, he used to tell me uh, just a, a lot of great things, you know, uh, the, un the under the ocean, uh, you know, channels where people, you know, traditionally would walk from island to island through the lava tubes and things like that. But one thing uh -huh. that I really loved hearing about is how a lot of the Hawaiian language was uh, very similar to words in Hebrew and yep. how the Hebrew language carried on certain uh, codex from uh, you know, the Hawaiian tradition and that became the basis of uh, parts of the Bible. Uh, you know, I know you, you can uh, discuss it a lot better than I can. Wow. You're right. And there's also similarities with the Berber language and with the Mayan language with the, the Hawaiian and I, my, I was really lucky because my grandmother taught me an ancient dialect of Hawaiian, which is the Mu dialect or Mu dialect. Now in Ainu, uh, in Hokkaido, they've also preserved this language, but, um, and, and I'll just give you an example. Uh, do you mind? Please. <laughs> of the language? Oh, please. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'll, I'll just share with you a, a Mu prayer. One of the, one of the, Cornerstone prayers of Mu. Okay. Matari'i. Wow. And do you want the translation? <laughs> Please. Okay. From the junction to fasten the hoop, the stars still stand in the upper space, and the transcendence remains wide and free. Coming is the dark cloud and the rainbow. At the point of Hawaii, of Haida, of Hokkaido, breaking away is the water in reverence of the Pleiades. Whoa, 
crazy. <laughs> and it does sound a little Hebrewic. Uh, and, you know, and I think it's Zachariah Sitchin um, who, you know, translated a lot of the stuff from Samaria. He talks about the Hebrews and talks about these, you know, well, he doesn't talk. He's translating and how there was these Martians that came down and they're the ones that disturbed it all and brought this lower consciousness that's led us to here. So, but anyways, that's really fascinating because you're tying it all together. And it's, I think it's called the Nagamaya language, right? That connects some of this. And um, wow, that is, that was amazing. That, that is, it's really cool to see that. We all, I mean, I guess the thing to take away here is we all come from the same place, really. We're all, we're all one. We're all one, you know, one family. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, uh, it's so inspiring um, to get more in touch with this because a lot of modern anthropologists and stuff, they kind of delineate from that idea. And um, it's really cool. So, uh, in, and in terms of connecting to the fern medicine, um, that makes a lot of sense. So you think back in the, in the days of the Moo continent, they had these, they were using this fern medicine and you've continued that tradition to today. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. And you know, back, like I was saying, the, my lineage back 20,000 years, there's this figure, the founder uh, who goes by the name of Mahat. Now Mahat, now in each lineage of the 1017, we have a name, we have time, place, and then we also have a kiakahi or a purpose. Why were they here? Why are they here? And Mahats was pua ehu ehu or fern medicine. So we know that this medicine is 20,000 years old. Now, uh, fern medicine, uh, ferns, ferns, of course, they're, they're a physiological medicine as well, a biological medicine. But the way that it was resourced uh, with the ancestors was for uh, emotional. It was emotional. Now, um, <clears throat> Perhaps there's nowhere else ever, ever, where we will experience emotions than here in what is known as the human event. So it's very unique. It's very critical in order for us to come here, complete our agreement, and then hala, as we say in the language, hala. Otherwise, we'll just repeat, 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 because here's the thing about kiakahi, about purpose, about original agreement. It's quantum. It's not governed by time. So if it's not completed, we'll just repeat over and over and over until it is um, honored. So the emotions were seen as just paramount. It, the emotion, the human emotion, this is how my tutu, Kawiki Onalani, my grandmother, who raised me, by the way, Kawiki Onalani, and taught me the Ike, the knowledge. Um, she said, boy, she always called me boy, <clears throat> boy, the power of the human emotion can create or collapse a universe. And that exists in you. Choose your thoughts wisely. Choose your words wisely. And so all this power that can be generated by the human emotion, look, look where we're in brothers, we're in war. We're in a collective of war, and that is spun by the misuse and misunderstanding of the emotion. So, fern medicine, pua ehu ehu, is all about true recognition, integration, and expression of the human emotion, this very unique power of the human event. 
Um, <clears throat> we have 103 native Hawaiian ferns that correlate to 103 human emotions coded in the spores wow. of the ferns of these particular specific ferns are the codes. For instance, I have right here, this is a fern called Ai, A-E, Ai. And this is the fern of empathy. So see the, see the spores, the sori? And in that sori designs, there's the spores, holds the codes to empathy, true empathy. I have here, this is a really unique fern because people always think this is rosemary. <laughs> But this is called Kalamoho Lauli'i. And within the spores of this fern are the codes to emotional innovation. How am I creating? How am I transferring this energy and creating something in form? How am I making contributions to my community? How am I making contributions to this collective? Another one, this one's really cool. This is Moa, M-O-A, Moa fern. And you can see the tips, there's the story that holds the spores. And this is uh, the fern of emotional purification. Clean house, clean house. This one was mm -hmm. interesting because when my, when my tutu, my grandmother taught me, you know, the principle, she says, imagine, boy, imagine it's a broom. <laughs> clean house. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, Hawaiian sage. <laughs> exactly. And, and, um, I, I do make sponge sticks. These are all dry, by the way. Nice. I do make such oh, sponge sticks for myself and some of my friends. But um, now, of the 103 human emotions, the most common question I get is, what's the fern of love? Uh, that's the fern that I would like to work with. That's the medicine that I would like to ingest. And my answer to that is always pretty anticlimactic because <laughs> there is no fern of love. Wow. <laughs> But this is very um, purposeful because love is the culmination of all 103. Now, the energy of love in its totality is so colossal, it would collapse a world of form. This animate world cannot hold something so gigantic. So you and I, once we indoctrinate ourselves into 103 emotions, we graduate, evolve, into the totality of love and this world will collapse that's called the completion of our agreement and then we hala the tibetans have the same philosophy they call it the rainbow light body you um, honor the emotional experience and you ascend into color wow yeah that's so unemotional on the emotional plane how would you describe how they work um do they have like the natural harmonics that coincide with, uh, you know, perhaps those forces that would balance out the lower emotions? Yes. And great question, um, brother. Um, that, and I love the way you said it too. It's a harmonic. It, it realigns. And I'll give you a good example. So there's a fern called Palai Hinahina, and this is a fern of grief. Grief. Now, when I had the, this conversation with Palai Hinahina grief, uh, asked me, what is your perception of grief? I said, hmm, it's loss. That's my perception of grief. And Palai Hinahina said, no, uh, I'm not about loss. I'm about completions. I'm about completions. So it's all about realigning me with the true harmony, just as you said, the true harmony of that emotional quality. Once that becomes integrated into my physical body, it's practical. 
it's relatable. <clears throat> then I begin to express and exude that. Now I've been, become indoctrinated into that. I've no longer chosen to distort an emotion and therefore the distortions leads to, like I was saying, where we are now as a collective in war culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as we were talking before we started this episode, uh, I went to your website and I was delighted to see all your offerings and I'm uh, really eager to get some in the mail I ordered yesterday. Um, so what really intrigued me is you're using spagyric tincturing methods. Mm-hmm. So is that something that came from your traditions or something that you overlaid uh, you know, yourself? Did uh, traditional Hawaiian medicine use similar techniques? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, you know, Hawaiians are more known now like uh, for maceration techniques, maybe fermentation techniques, but the spagyric method, reducing something into its fina- finest crystal form, the DNA of a plant was honored and was actually seen as pretty fundamental in plant medicine. You know, the tiniest crystals <clears throat> of a, of a um, reduced plant that that's its actual memory. That's, mm-hmm. that's its DNA, its memory. So it was necessary um, in order to uh, properly revere uh, a plant. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't want you to give away any proprietary secrets, but uh, you know, I do a lot of spagyric uh, processing myself. So uh, you go through a fermentation process and then do you then distill that to make the alcohol for the macerate later on, or do you have a different way of going about it? Yes. Uh, so the alcohol used for, for a lot of the medicine, um, I don't make it myself, mm-hmm. but it's fermented noni, the noni fruit. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Hawaiian noni fruit. I, I, I like to remain as Hawaii based as possible with, with all of the ingredients that goes, goes with either the alchemy or the actual product. Um, so, so yeah. And, and luckily and wonderfully for me, because also one of the spagyrics that I offer, I also, uh, infuse it with monatomic gold. And, um, I, I have a wonderful resource from Moko'oke'avi, the big island who resource, resources that off the coast of the big island, the monatomic gold, the Ormus. So I'm, I, I, you know, just like to stay in the Hawaii Ohana just within this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so you use uh, ocean salt, sea salt from the islands. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, I do a process where Himalayan salt, but then I also um, collect from our spring water uh, a little contraption that collects the ormus, and then we oh. dehydrate it down and create the powder. And I worked with uh, David Hudson right after he made his discovery back in '90. In fact, uh, the first time I ever met him, we had him come over to Maui. And we had some local practitioners on the island, and we all got together with David Hudson. And that's uh, when Monatomic wow. Gold was, you know, for, first introduced to the world. So, uh, yeah, good well, history. And uh, <laughs> our roots, you know, are, are on Maui. There are a lot of good things happen. Weren't the Anunnaki <laughs> ones that were going back to Mu? I mean, there's the whole story of that's right, why they came here, right? To get the Monatomic Gold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. The Monatomic Gold. Yeah, that's a potent superconductor and and i i i heard that the anunnaki it was for several reasons for the atmosphere of, of their planet and then also for the longevity uh of their physical avatar 
So, and yeah. you know, that would be aligned with me, makes sense with me because of course it's, it's such a powerful superconductor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and our nervous system is supposed to be a superconductor and we've lost that ability. And that's why I really like the UARMAS because it retrains that uh, natural innate tendency back in there. And then, you know, you, you talk about the spinal cord and I look at the spinal cord as different octave levels and, and it's all about, you know, raising the energy through the octaves, which is I would consider the ascension process. So uh, if you don't mind a little bit back to fern medicine, you know, we live in the Northwest here and I'm, I live in a fern forest, basically. They're growing all over the place. Do you know anything about uh, the native ferns uh, on the mainland here? You know, I get this question so much. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> <I bet>. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm versed. And native Hawaiian ferns, and that's where I feel more comfortable, and and it's more responsible of me to speak just of the native Hawaiian ferns. But ferns are all related, of course. Um, so when people send me pictures, I just say, if you ever send me pictures, make sure you send me pictures of the underside. I need to see the story design. I need to see their spore, the design of their spores, um, and that would let, allow me to just relate it to what it's most closely resembles. Or related to of the native Hawaiian ferns. There are several that are really global, like um, the maidenhair fern, which we call Pa'iva Iva here. Of course, that's found everywhere. It's the fern of emotional truth, emotional truth. And this fern and this principle is incredibly poignant today because as I was saying, we're in a field of disclosure right now. Re regardless if, if it's very uncomfortable for you or you're welcoming it, it's here. It's arrived. <laughs> Disclosure is here. And so this fern, the quality of emotional truth. What is emotional truth? What is truth as an emotion? It's my memory of original agreement. And I could, I could be in revolt of that because I'm going to tell you what, when I went into and, and discovered the template of my original agreement, it had nothing to do with all the identities that I've created and built. And I present it to the world. So identity crisis, right? <laughs> so it's a very uncomfortable, this field of truth that we're all in. But um, no one's immune. Um, we can go gracefully. And this is what my grandmother, Tutu Kawiki Onalani, always says. She says, boy, you have two choices. When we come into disclosure, one, go in grace. Just go in grace. Or two, you will have to be activated by way of of immense trauma because as we know trauma is an, also an activator but she says we live in free will just choose grace whether whatever you choose it's neither right nor wrong but grace will be less destructive for you and your community i really believe addressing the emotional plane is all we have to do but of course uh you know, in my field, uh, people come in because they have physical maladies and, you know, biological issues. But I see those uh, emotions just holographically playing out with the nervous system as a mediator into the organs and creating symptoms that then, uh, you know, we doctor types look at as disease, which I don't think is really disease. But uh, can you uh, uh, just elaborate on any of your tinctures or any of the fern species uh, on a biological level and, and effects they might have there? Yeah, you know, um, like, for instance, I, I showed you uh, MOA. 
Okay. Now this fern uh, biologically is also a powerful diuretic. And of course it's emotional purification. So uh, a lot of the times uh, it's biological component or how, how it assists uh, biologically will align. Like there's one, uh, a fern called uh, Makali'i fern, and this is a fern of emotional euphoria. And um, <clears throat> it can also be a very uh, subtle psychedelic. Um, so uh, a lot of them, their emotional quality will relate to how they also work with the physical body on a biological level as well. Fantastic. Interesting. And, and what's the idea with these, uh, you know, what's your concept or your people's concept where these ferns came from? Is that, uh, do you guys have a tradition of a mother Gaia or is this our own consciousness working with the planet to originally create these, uh, on Mu? Um, what's the tradition say there? Okay. So <clears throat> I, I want to kind of backtrack and, and to explain why, why do ferns hold yeah. emotions? Like where did this come from? So um, at, I'm sure many of you are aware of uh, yugas, different cycles. Um, and uh, you know we have been in what is considered a, a dark age or an iron age, a Kali Yuga for a very long time. <clears throat> now ferns are, uh, fossils are traced back 360 million years. As far as plants go, it's pretty, very significant. <laughs> and, and um, as far back as 180 million years ago, the fossils of certain ferns are identical to ferns today. This tells us that they have gone through what is known as evolutionary stasis. They've met their evolutionary ceiling. What's so significant about an entity who has achieved evolutionary stasis means that they are no longer required to accumulate data. Now, not all data is knowledge. Not all data is quality. So they are immune to corruption, energetic, spiritual, mental, emotional, corruption. So when we as a species <clears throat> um, went into this Kali Yuga, we transitioned from a golden age into the Kali Yuga. There's a lot of commotion. The human emotion is so precious. It's possibly the kirkahi, the purpose of this consciousness right now of the human event. How do we preserve it to ensure it doesn't become corrupted during a Kali Yuga? So because the ferns have achieved evolutionary stasis, they volunteered. They said, we'll hold the codes of human emotions through the Kali Yuga. We can't become corrupted. They'll be preserved until the time is hemolele, as we say in the language, perfect. Until the time is hemolele to be gifted back to the humans for integration, expression. And I always say, you know, the fact that you and I are having this conversation now means the time is hemolele. <laughs> the time Absolutely. is <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely all finding each other. You know, uh, just on a personal level, certain events uh, that led me to Hawaii and, you know, and raising my family there uh, were very significant. And uh, both my wife and myself believe that we went through a great purification living there. In fact, uh, you know, we landed out in Kipahulu there and uh, a friend of ours who 
uh, you know, grew up in the area where your grandmother was from, Sam Akai, he, uh, uh, he said, well, you know, you're not supposed to be living here in this particular place where we were at. He said the kahuna used this for purification rituals. And he said, this is way too intense uh, to live here full time. And, you know, sure enough, we went through the fire, you know, uh, Pele was uh, alive and well in our energetic fields out there. So, um, but my question is, uh, because Hawaii was such a special place and still is to us, even though we're not native to there, I just feel that it plays a significant role in the larger global unfolding. So uh, can you share anything about the role of Hawaii for all of us? Thank you. Thank you for asking that because this is really important because so many people are coming to Hawaii, even just to make contact. Don't know why. All their money just to come here, make contact with the Aina, the Lepo, the land, and then go back. Like, it's very mysterious. My grandmother told me, she says, um, the island will call her children home. And just as you're saying, like when you came, you had this experience. I feel like this is a, a portal of activation. And of course, because it is one of the most preserved remnants of Mu, um, it still has that energy intact. And like Ispra, especially Maui and Kauai, you go to Kauai, you, I mean, the tendencies to float away on Kauai, it is so otherworldly. <laughs> they have preserved that energy. It's a temple, the whole island's a temple. Every time I go, major activation and memory, memory. Now remember, memory is gonna come through. It's what you're gonna do with that memory. Are you gonna reject it? That's, that's the, the main story with many people. It's too uncomfortable, I'm rejecting it. Or am I gonna receive it, resource it as a tool, and complete my agreement? So brother, I feel you on this, and my grandmother even told me of this. She says, Hawaii will call her children home. Come here, make contact, activate, not just yourself, but activate this portal. We call it Lena. It's a Lena. It's a wormhole. It's a portal. And it's, and this, it's not just Hawaii, but it's because Hawaii is so preserved, it's intact. And uh, many liken the Hawaiian Islands to the chakra system, of course, where Kauai is the crown chakra, which makes sense it you have that experience. Now, we used to vacation in Kauai. That was the place where we used to go to get away from it. And, uh, you know, it, it was exactly that experience. You just, I wide surf in Hanalei and out in tunnels at the, at the end of the island there. Uh, but boy, I just remember so many times just sitting there and feeling uh, otherworldly. And then Maui, the heart center. And then it also makes sense. The lowest island, the, the big island is, the, is the, the root chakra with the fire. So, uh, you could probably elaborate on that a little better. Yeah, and, and Oahu the throat. Look, look for look for all yeah. the commerce, the industry. Wow. Um, uh, everything occurs on Oahu the, the throat, and definitely, you know, Haleakala, the whole creator of Haleakala. We say that's the Pu'uvai, that's the heart. And and you go into, you hike into Haleakala crater, you have heart expansive experiences. You know your tendencies to um, welcome and to honor intimacy 
in that crater. That's why I know a lot of the ancient people would go in there to, to do ceremony of intimacy, to reaffirm intimacy um, within the crater of Haleakala. And yes, the Moku'oke'avi, the big island, the sacral and the root, it's, it's explosive. It's explosive. It's, it's the generation. It's the, the anticipus of, <laughs> of our experience here. So most, most certainly. And, and the crown chakra, um, the third eye uh, on, on Kauai, uh, certainly. And there's a lena, there's a stargate on uh, Kauai called Kalalea in Anahola. And um, it's interesting because this was considered kind of kapu. We, no one talked about it, only in Hawaiian families that we know this certain spot is, uh, has been wide open, never shut. And the Dalai Lama was on Kauai and they're in a car and he asked them to stop. And he stood in front of there and he says, that's where they come in and out. And then the wow. Hawaiian people were like, that's our Lena. You know, that's our Lena. <laughs> wow. Are the islands on ley lines? You know, the, the, the electrical fields of the planet, the, do you know? They fit on a ley line with the, and connect to the pyramids? Has it done research on that? I've, I mean, I've seen, I've, I, you know, I'm not sure because the only ones that I've, that I've known are these ley lines that go through Rapa Nui to Easter Island. Yeah. But, but in a sense, too, because people have questioned that. And I said, you know, it's perhaps that's what has kept it so preserved. It's been so inconspicuous, these islands on so many different levels. It's as if the entire island chain has been in a moratorium for a very long time in a hibernation for a very long time, completely independent of all the activity that's been going on around. It really is the garden of Eden there when you go there and it gives you uh, it's a, if it's symbolic of where we came from, man, it'd be nice to all go back there, huh? Because if, if it represents the consciousness, you know, the physical plane of Hawaii being so lush and full of abundance. And just when you go there, you just right when you step off the plane, you just you can't help but smile and feel amazing. Right. Yeah. And at least sir, when I go there and um if that's, you know, that's where we all came from, this lush garden of Eden of just abundance and beauty, um, that is something to really inspire people. And that's what brings people there. You know, it, is, it literally is paradise there. And um, it's something I think if we can all as humanity hold in our heart and, and look to Hawaii as, as that symbolic um, formulation of where we should be consciously every day and, and wake up and feel that Hawaiian spirit, I think the world would transform overnight into a place of love and, and majesty and, and, and peace. Yeah, brother Mike, you know, what Hawaii teaches us, and it's fundamental, it's super simple, but what Hawaii teaches us is how to be touched by life. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. This is what the natural world, what nature teaches us. Humans, remember. Yeah. Be touched by life. Forgo the projections, the analytical, the methodical, the embellishments. Just be touched by life. You know, my mentor is Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> ever since I was a kid, <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. And the greatest thing he ever taught me, it's one of his quotes actually, is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. 
Beautiful. Leonardo da Vinci happens to be uh, one of our uh, mentors as well. You know, I was in the pioneering circles of uh, something called clinical kinesiology. And uh, our symbol was uh, his canon of man, you know, and the, the, you know, the arm positions and everything. So what we did is we had people hooked up with uh, EEGs and, and all this sort of thing in our research centers for, for a long time. And when we put people in those exact positions with the exact ankle rotation, degrees of ankle rotation or arm positions at, uh, on EEG, you'd see the same exact frequency readout on everybody. So uh, Leonardo was definitely tapped into the uh, electronic nature of uh, the universe and, and man, for sure. You know, my experience in Hawaii is that it was much uh, easier to get in touch there. The veils were much more thin than the mainland. In fact, uh, people might think I'm crazy, but you know, where we lived out in Kipahulu, there's a, a river, a, a creek that came down and a waterfall that we'd go at the end of the day and take our showers there. And um, as you're walking up there, you could very audibly hear voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, which locals there said, well, those are the ancestors in the area. So, uh, am I nuts or was I really hearing things? No, you're really hearing things. I, I, I go in nature <laughs> every day and I always mm-hmm. hear subtle chanting. I always hear subtle mm-hmm. chanting. And for me, oftentimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's a lesson, you know, it's just about me dropping in and receiving it and integrating it. Of course, offering my consent to do so. And, and, oh, it's very much alive. And, and uh, you know, like, like you're saying, the veils are so thin. <laughs> it's really amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we're moving towards, you know, we, we're seeing kind of these divergent paths where folks like us are really embracing these ancient technologies, um, like the fern medicine, spagyrics that, that uh, bears into And then you're seeing also on the mainstream news, uh, you know, this transhumanistic push, a push for more and more digital technology. Uh, Now people are working remote from home. How do we, um, what in your mind is, where can we go here? Because it seems like there's these divergent paths away from nature. And as we're saying, Hawaii is really reminding us that we are nature and we need to get back in touch with nature. But then we've got this sci-fi world that's breaking off, that's really pulling us away more and more. And we're seeing the effects right now. We're seeing a, everything's breaking, everything's collapsing, everything's failing on that. What in your mind, how, what could you tell our audience to inspire them, um, how we can move forward here and bring these worlds together? Or are we just, do we need to totally leave that world? What is your solution? Well, you know, nature is so sophisticated. Just like I was saying, the original uh, civilizations, they didn't need embellishments because nature provided. And here's my thing, and here's my recommendation, is that I, I understand and, I, and for a large part, I, I really appreciate our advancements. Um, but there's a really important component that has been missing and still missing, and that's called consent. We haven't asked the consent of nature and the natural world. We've sort of went rogue. And in the doctrines, and not just the Mu doctrines, but this is the doctrines of the Navajo and the Zuni. It says this signals our complete split from nature and then our 
are uh, transferred into a machine. We see transhumanism as a topic right now. And for some people, they think this is the only way uh, for the survival of our species is transhumanism. But all this talk and everything that's going on, we haven't even approached nature and asked consent. That's kind of uh, staggering. I mean, you, we're, we're alchemists. We're, we work with the plant world, so maybe it's, it's staggering to us um, because we see how critical and important and how elegant. You know, one of, the, one of the illnesses, aside from amnesia of the human event, um, is our need to seek alternatives. Always, always, always. It's never good enough. Seek alternatives. Now, I look at nature, I look at the trees, I look at the flowers, and I see how content they are. A hurricane is swirling. They're content. A weed is growing out of cement. It's content. It has learned not to seek alternatives, but to resource the tools of its immediate environment and see that as plenty. It's enough. And I feel like this is where we need to reconnect with nature and we need to reaffirm and honor it with asking its consent. Bringing nature into the dialogue. This is how we as humans perceive evolution. This is how we can um, adapt to certain things. This is how we can um, evolve as a consciousness. So let's bring in nature. Let's ask nature its consent. Um, I, I feel like that's the missing link. And you could yeah. almost and, say and that. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's that separation that has created this, uh, what should be intuitive. You know, we, we raise medicinal herbs here. We, you know, gather things, we wildcraft in the forest around us. And it's just intuitive that you communicate and ask permission. It, it's not something that, you have to read about or learn. It's just, you just naturally do it. What's really encouraging to me though, is many people are really craving to reconnect. We have people every single week asking if they can come just hang out, work in the, in the gardens. And so, you know, I see just a natural, um, you know, evolution back full circle to that. Yeah, so do I. I I've been feeling that and, and seeing that myself as people's natural pool to return to nature and 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 you know once we return to nature then clairvoyance then telepathy everything that we have re we need uh technology um to replace that with and see this is why nature is going to teach us all these things and once again like the first civilizations the move will see like wow all these embellishments were really not needed they just really complicated everything yeah yeah i, I, I think um Go was, ahead, Mike. Sorry. I was just going to say one thing. I think the other thing that relates to that is gratitude, right? Yeah. Because if people could just embrace gratitude more and, and, and just be so happy, that's, that's what that weed and everything, they're just, they have in, embedded within them gratitude for existing and being part of this beautiful matrix of nature and of the universe. So I was just going to throw that in. I, I love that. My, yeah. my, I'm sorry, brother, but I just wanted to say my grandmother, one, one thing she always told me is, she says, the only requirement for abundance is gratitude. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I was just going to comment, you brought up telepathy. I believe telepathy is not a natural condition in today's day and age because we think we have secrets. And so we, you know, we put up these blocks so that we, we can't be telepathic with each other. But when you're out in nature, there are no secrets. Right. Right. In nature, there's not only no secrets, there's no shame. There's no shame. And that's why we as human beings, we conceal, we hide ourselves because whatever I'm feeling, somehow it's not compatible to this narrative. Actually, it's a violation. My truth is a violation. So there's incredible shame. But just as you're saying, brother, you go into nature, shame just collapses. You're being completely embraced for the organic entity that you are. It's free. It's like amazingly freeing. Yeah. I, I could see a future where we ha- go back to organic analog technologies where we still can push the envelope of uh, innovation and, and connect more, but it's through, through our own, we, as, as Bear likes to say a lot, our, we are the greatest technology. We are far more advanced than any uh, nanotech or any crazy hydrogen collider or whatever we right here have the power and um we can tap into our psychic abilities we can teleport we can uh, you know do all this amazing things like they were doing on the continent of mu back in the day making these megalithic structures and everything and we you know this reality has been hijacked by those who um you know whether they're martians or whatever the the service to self entities or whatnot um but the awakening is happening and i really feel and it seems like what you're saying too is we are we are crossing over into that new age whether people like it or not and um, I just envision, I hold this vision of these beautiful going back to cities where we have crystalline structures and sound bath harmonics healing us and huge fern forests we walk through and resonate with the plant life. And we can be in nature and still be massively evolved and, and technological. Yeah, yeah, Mike, yes. It's just about us being responsible with our innovation. What's the goal? Why are we innovating to begin with? I think a lot of people have no idea. You know, you stop someone and say, why are we innovating? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) To have have cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is fun to have gadgets and stuff and explore things and like and connect. And, but once again, it's a hijacking, like people like their iPhone because they on social media can have, you know, it really has made the world closer. And there's been a lot of powerful innovation with that. Right. But what if we were all psychic? That wouldn't, that would go up. That would be, that's, this is stone age. This is stone age technology compared to that. Yeah. 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 But bear, bear said it right too. He talks about, we have a lot to hide. We have shame. It goes back to the garden of Eden parable, you know, that we became aware that we were naked and, um, you know, there's going to take a lot of personal consciousness growth of all of us. Each person has to wake up or excuse me, has to grow up and has to start taking more responsibility for their own spiritual connection. We're, we're spiritually bankrupt right now, especially in the United States. We're seeing it right now. It's, it's, it's really sad. You know, I saw that, that the poor fellow commit suicide and they got blamed on the police or whatnot that happened, I think, over the weekend. And my heart just broke for that person 
that man who would just go kill himself in public like that because just the materialism and the consumerism and stuff has just really depleted that connection to spirit. And man, I get choked up thinking about it, to be honest, because it's, it's really sad how lost so many people are. And it's like, if we could just turn that around and just get reconnected, if everybody could take a trip to Hawaii, but not, not every, all at once, just once in their lives and get connected to, to the, that spirit, um, man, we could turn this world around really quick. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Keone, we're coming up on the hour here. I could talk to you all day and I have a ton of things I'd like to pick your brain about, but can you, uh, do you have anything you'd like to uh, discuss or bring up that we haven't talked about? You know, I just want to like what brother Mike was talking about and, you know, we're coming into our power. We're becoming activated. Uh, original agreement uh, is being disclosed to us, whether that's uncomfortable or not. And, you know, I mean, we can talk an hour about that and, you know, how we can have compassion and empathy for our brothers and our sisters. But I just, my overlying theme about that is just to remember to keep things simple. It's the overwhelm that takes us into agitation and violence and aggression and dissociation. If we can just keep things as simple as possible and, you know, uh, my grandmother said, when you come into these, these, this memory, the um, disclosure of your memory, she says, one, there's two steps to it. One, it's going to be the hardest one. And that's to say it. Mm. Expose yourself. Be seen and heard. Say it. It's going to be a violation. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be scrutinized. You're going to be condemned. You're going to be rejected. But there's something that's more powerful than all of that, and that's inspiration. You're also going to inspire. Amen. So show up and speak. And then the second step, which is also necessary, it's going to come a lot easier because you've already empowered yourself, and that's to show it, embody it. So Tutu would say, brah, boy, tell us who you are, and then show us. Let's see results. Wow. And what brilliant advice because we live in a time where everybody's afraid to speak their mind. Yep. Yeah. And you could say that's by design in some ways, but either way, that is a, that is powerful. And so apropos for right now, as Bear said, and uh, yeah, man, um, do you have maybe a parting prayer for, for us? I know, um, I mean, you, you've done one already, but I, it's so powerful. I really felt that energetically when you did it. And uh, it's just uh, maybe that's something we can end with. Oh, I would love to. I would love to do uh, a Mu prayer of empowerment. <laughs> so, brothers, in tradition, we have a position called Kulike. And this is the ancient greeting of the Mu, okay? Now, we know, we know that... Um, any statues found in Peru or even in Taiwan, we know they're Mu delegates because the statues will actually be in this position. So our right hand, which is our masculine, okay? This is our brother. We're gonna bring him home to his throne, that of the heart space. Mm -hmm. Here in the heart space, the mantra of our kane, the masculine is pa vale puuvai, and that means open your heart wider. The brother needs to learn how to open his heart. He needs to learn to be vulnerable. 
he needs to learn to ask for help. Now, our left hand, this is our feminine, okay? Our feminine, we place it all the way in the womb space, okay? The sacral area right here. Mm-hmm. Here, the mantra of the feminine is Ua Malu, I am safe. The feminine needs to feel safe. She's not going to disclose unless she feels safe. So this is called Kulike position. This is the most ancient greeting. You see statues, some found in Rapa Nui, in um, um, Pumapunku, um, and the statues that are in this position, we know their move. So now the prayer, I'm going to say it in, in Mu dialect, and then I'll translate it. To be entangled in that which is unnatural, now I rise, exposed and brilliant, finally. And to penetrate an illusion, finally, finally. Aloha. Mahalo. Mahalo. Thank you so much. And as you say, um, everyone's waking up to their memories of who they really are right now. I think that's, that's what we're seeing. And all this destruction and mayhem is people coming to grips with that. And, um, exciting times, exciting times. Exciting times, exciting times and friends go in grace, go in grace. We're all in this together. Let's just go in grace. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining Thank us you. today. Uh, Bear, any parting words for our guest? Or, um, uh, no, I don't want to uh, interrupt the feeling we have going here right now. So uh, yeah. thank you so much for being here. And uh, give Mother Maui a big hug for me. I certainly will. Mahalo, brothers. Mahalo. Mahalo. I hope you, everybody listening uh, has enjoyed this as much as I have and, and we have. Uh, truly inspiring. And uh, if you uh, did enjoy this and you're new to our community, you can find uh, everything you need to know about Alpha Vedic at alphavedic.com. It has all our links there for our Alpha Cast. You can just go to the link there and see all the shows we've had. Uh, you can also join us on Telegram at t.me forward slash alphavedic and Discord at alphavedic.com forward slash discord d-i-s-c-o-r-d that's where our communities reside online until we get psychically connected that's where we're at so uh join us there and uh, go ahead there mike sorry to sorry to interrupt there but keone can you tell us um how we can best get a hold of you oh sure uh, that's okay and of course those links will be in the in the show notes too yeah, on my website, I have a, a lot of great information on my website, pohala.net, P-O-H-A-L-A.net. I'm always throwing down some Ike, some, some knowledge on my Instagram, um, lots of uh, things there to resource as well. That's pohala underscore Hawaiian underscore botanicals. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I put those in the in the chat here from the get go, and uh, they'll be in the show notes, of course. So please go support Keone. Uh, as Bear was saying, he's got amazing products, and uh, let's support this brother because uh, he's doing amazing work. So thank you so much, guys. Have a beautiful day. Get outside. Get into nature. Go grow something. Go uh, go on a hike. 
do whatever you can to ground yourself in and have gratitude for this life. Thanks. Mahalo.